episode 9. I gotta say, how am I not cancelled yet? I thought the truth wasn't allowed anymore. I gotta be walking the line. I had like three cups of coffee before I got on here. I'm ready to go. I don't even drink coffee. You'd think I'd be all wound up. Nothing different ever happens. I, I feel different. But I don't think I could get sped up any more than I am. I just stay at one pace. Anyway, we got the king shit-talking champion coming on the show today. You motherfucker, you! My man Michael Rappaport, fellow New Yorker. This is going to be a very New York conversation. We worked on a few videos before, and we've been overdue for a chat, so we're going to make up for lost time here. He'll be on in a few. I'm going to be in a video game. Yeah, they're taking my voice and doing like a GTA radio thing for this game, Happy's Humble Burger Farm. It's like some haunted fast food place you work at, and I'm the guy on the radio in the kitchen ranting about shit. What happens when your 3D printer goes rogue and starts fabricating reality you didn't ask for? Good luck dealing with the nightmares getting printed in your garage. It's a creepy looking restaurant. That's the last place I'd want to work at. Talk about a dead end job. Then listening to me complaining all night, I'd probably stick my head in the deep fryer. I think they said this is coming out August or September. It's on Steam. You can find everything about it on there. Before we get started, I got to shout out my sponsor real quick, Flip City Magazine. You think I'm over the top? Let me tell you something about these guys. This is like Mad Magazine. If it was written by Mad Magazine on testosterone replacement therapy, these guys give Clown World a big kick in the nuts. I haven't seen anything else out there like this. I mean, there's not much out there like this that pushes back on the mainstream narrative. I think you guys will get a kick out of this. I got a lot of laughs out of it. I mean, they're really just ridiculing bad ideas. These guys go for the jugular. No politically correct nonsense. These guys are 100% independent. FlipCityMag.com. There you go. Speaking of clown world, here's the latest. Apparently the government out in France is taken after us now, playing pretend with the masks. Remember all those videos of mayors getting caught putting the masks on for show before they speak in front of people? So Wendy, I'm going to take, I'm going to take my mask off when I speak. I will as well. I'm, just, I'm waiting so that we can do a little political theater. Okay. So that it's on camera. Yeah, they're doing this in France now. Yeah, this guy Musillier. Apparently he's a former member of the European Parliament. The guy's about to speak on TV and he's orchestrating a gathering of people to stand behind him before he goes live on TV. He obviously doesn't realize he's already on the air. They're all standing behind him with no masks. Then all of a sudden they start putting the masks on one by one. You got an official standing next to a maskless. A guy off camera hands him a mask. See, this is what they do. They deceive you. They don't respect you. When will the world unite on this? What more do you people need to see? Then I get a message from some dope who replies to me after I posted this and he goes, you don't know anything about French politics. Yeah, yeah. he watched a video of a masquerade performed by the government and his response is, you don't know anything about French politics. At no point in the video was a word even spoken. This is an actual human being, and he spells about uh, A-B-O-U-T-H, a booth. 
This man just watched the same thing we all just watched, and somehow he sees something entirely different. I mean, I should survey the dummy community to see if maybe when they watch that same clip, maybe they actually see something different. For all we know, they could just see everyone wearing masks the whole time. I think scientists should look into this. Maybe stupid people actually see different things than us. Has anyone looked into this? Like when they see a TikTok video of someone twirling their arms around in their bedroom as if this is some sort of accomplishment, yeah, maybe their brain is projecting a visual of someone doing a high-level salsa routine on a major stage somewhere in Spain. That would explain how those people have so many followers. They could be programmed in some way to see different things, you know, like an alternate reality. That's probably why they don't understand why we think what they like is stupid. Ugh. Anyway, the <laughs> you're going to love this. This is a good one. And by the way, I I'm starting to enjoy Clown World. I just love the entertainment value that it brings. I mean, as long as I don't have to participate in it, it's just like a free reality show. Listen to this one. Influencer identifies as Korean after undergoing multiple plastic surgeries to look like BTS member, which apparently is some South Korean boy band thing going on over there. I mean, you got to see this. This kid altered his eyes and everything. 안녕하세요. 저는 Jimin입니다. Hey guys, I'm finally Korean. I've transitioned. I'm so, so happy I've completed my look. I'm finally Korean, guys. I have the eyes. Just had a brow lift as well. Um, so I'm so happy. Finally, I've been trapped in the wrong body for eight years. I just want to make Jimin proud as well, you know, because Jimin is my ultimate idol and I want him to be proud. So I'm sure he'll be proud that I look like exactly like him now. I have his eyes. Oh, yeah, he'll be proud. Yeah, proud to have that restraining order handy for when you resort to flying to South Korea to track him down after he refuses to acknowledge the hundreds of messages you've probably been sending him after you Frankensteined your face. I mean, what do you expect him to think about when he sees this? I finally have Jimin's Korean eyes and they're so, so beautiful. So I'm so, so happy with my new look. And I can't wait to see the final results when all the swelling goes down. Sailing hail. This could cause him to quit the business. I mean, if someone got plastic surgery to look like me, I'd say, there's my stalker. Because it's never enough with those people. They don't stop until they find you because they want you to love them. These people will not be satisfied until they're inside of you. Do you understand? I just couldn't have that hanging over my head. I'd go into hiding. I'd probably get plastic surgery myself and change my own face. Then he'd probably find out and change his face to my new face. By the end of it, I'd end up looking like Michael Jackson, just trying to keep changing my face until he throws in the towel and leaves me alone. Silent hail. Yeah. Whack jobs. We're infested. Oh, and it gets better. Look what he does. He goes on Twitter after this, right? He takes the Korean flag puts rainbows all over it, then writes, this is my new official flag for being a non-binary person who identifies as Korean. Thank you for the overwhelming support. It was so hard for me to come out as them slash they slash core slash Ian. I mean, 
what in the Demi Lovato is this? Then this guy responds, or this they responds. Uh, I, I can't anymore. He, he goes, I am a person belonging to the non-binary umbrella, and this offends me a lot. Being Korean is a nationality, not a gender. You are making fun of all the non-binary umbrella, the neo-pronouns in the entire LGBTQA plus community. Really, stop. Please. Now there's infighting in the non-binary community. I mean, look what has been created here. This is bringing more grief to people than good. All these rules and, and just, you know, you say one thing, then someone says you shouldn't do this. I'm offended by that. Meanwhile, none of these people even have bad intentions, but they just shame each other publicly and act like there's some written constitution of which you're allowed to pretend you want to be. I mean, what a headache. Just fucking be. Be human. Be human. Isn't that enough? What's with the labels for everything? Everyone's in a club, politically, sexually, racially. We've all compartmentalized ourselves. There's so much more to us than those things. We're going nowhere. The things we focus on, it's like we're, we're in limbo, but we think we're doing something. Nothing's happening, except everyone's upset at each other constantly. We're so divided. The only thing I judge is your competency level. That's it. Everyone is the same to me except for the brightness of your light bulb. Ugh. Everyone going on about race, gender, and all that bullshit. I want nothing to do with it. I don't care. Leave me alone. Leave me alone and I'll leave you alone, okay? That sounds like a great deal. Let's just all make that deal. Uh, anyway, let's let's get to my guest. I, I'm going to let him rant for a while because I, I only got so much in me. A lot of discussion this week in the news about white rage. I have no idea what that is. I mean, it doesn't. Hey, asshole, you on the bird scooter. Be careful, motherfucker. You're going to kill somebody. Lunatic. Anyway, what is white rage? All right, my next guest needs no introduction, but I'm going to give him one anyway. He's been in countless movies, actor, comedian, supreme king of shit-talking. You could catch him on the Netflix series, Atypical, July 9th. Fellow New York disruptor, Michael Rappaport. What's up, buddy? Joey B in the place to be. Glad Dude. to be here. Glad oh. to see you doing your podcast. It's glad, to, it's glad to actually meet, you know, you know, we've talked and we've texted, but I've never... Yeah. This is as close to uh, having a face-to-face -face encounter uh, we, uh, with each other as we have, but I'm glad to uh, to be here. And, you know, I, I fuck with your shit before you were doing podcasts, you know? Yeah, likewise, man. Dude, we, we you know, I, I wanted to bring this up right off the bat, man. You've been rocking with me since before I started making any videos. I had a small following for my cartoons. You reached right. out to me to illustrate right. a T-shirt, if you remember right. that. Right. You voiced one of my cartoons. You, right. you jumped on the Chaz videos with me. You right. were always sharing my shit. And here you are now on my show, so I got to thank you for all that, brother. Of course, man. Right. <laughs> Fucking, yo, that's crazy. The Chaz videos were, were, were not that long ago, but it seems I like- know. It seems like a, a, a lifetime ago, isn't it? Like, yo, isn't that crazy? We got to do a follow-up. We got to do a where are they now segment because I found some dirt on some of these people. And Please. For, and for those, yo. 
Please don't something. forget about me. I'm not. No, we got we to gotta run it back. And for those that don't remember what Chaz was, that was that neighborhood in Seattle where all those dopes took over, thinking they could just live without the cops. Where do you see these assholes? They started their own country in Seattle. They call it Chaz. For the people, run by the people. Yeah, the summer of love, the mayor said. Meanwhile, it ends up being the summer of homicides. How long do you think Seattle in those few blocks looks like this? I don't know. We could have the summer of love. Yeah, I could see that considering the amount of hugs going around. I don't know if you remember this, but there was a guy in one of our videos we did. Hong Kong Fui. Remember Chaz? Yeah, they renamed it Chop. Yeah, they must have named it after the head of security, Hong Kong Fui, over here. What the hell is she doing? She's like a lost character in an Adam Sandler movie. Oh, what about the guy that was throwing the stick up in the air and missing it? He was prancing around in a circle. I don't know if you remember that guy. I remember. Come to find out, that motherfucker was a convicted rapist had 40 criminal charges against him. And after Chaz shut down, you know what he did? Killed his girlfriend. Yeah. Are you serious? Th- yeah, yeah. You could read this in the news. Th- then he broke into a pump house building to hide from the police, jumped into a big tank filled with water and bleach and drowned himself in it. Yeah, the summer of Yo, love. the yeah. summer of fucking love. Summer Where are of- they now? Exactly. They're, in, they're, 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 they're bleached. Yo, you got to do that. <laughs> we, we are. We, We're going to we do gotta, it. I'll do that with you for sure. Good. Good. I mean, what did those people think that the rainbow and unicorn gods would help them? I mean, that whole thing was a gift to comedy, man. I mean, it's sad. I don't know. I don't know what they what they thought. It's crazy, man. You know, it's crazy. No, no, because because last year. Yeah. You know, that that, that's coming out on about a year since all of it really, really started going crazy. And right. You know, with all the other shit that's going on and everybody's personal life and COVID this and COVID that and elections and recounts yeah. and election fraud and, and 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 it's like yo we're gonna we're gonna look back on that time like there's gonna be like an extensive ken burns documentary i'm sure somebody's always doing already doing a documentary because they document everything before yeah. it like you know it's even out of the oven but yeah like in 30 40 years when we're older there'll yeah, be a yeah. documentary about all that shit like a oh, really yeah. thorough one and it'll make the 60s and the 70s look like a fucking joke. Last year, 2020 will look make the 60s and the 70s, the summer of love, Woodstock. It'll that one year will make all that shit look like fucking like fucking Sesame Street. And it's amazing because we all seen that coming while it was happening. But these idiots can't see it. They think they're actually doing something. It's like, guys, this has already been done. You can't live without the fucking police. I mean, it's a cute idea, but it can't happen. And, dude, I, I'm always watching you, what you post on Instagram. And I got to tell you, man, I, I don't know what it is about people that they can't seem to grasp what your angle is when it comes to injustice in this country. And I, I think a lot of people have you completely wrong when it comes to your stance on police brutality and crime in America. For example, you'll make a post about police brutality and everyone will be with you. But then when you post about crime in Chicago, all of a sudden they go, what side are you on? Or, or I love this. I don't understand the purpose of this post. I love that one. They're, they're confused about someone being upset about a small child being shot dead in the streets and what side are they refer- what sides are they referencing the side where we only care when police kill us or the side where we only care where our, when our neighbors kill us how about caring about both how is that so confusing to people I, I don't understand and 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 I don't understand it I 
think about it often. I I don't I don't I I don't get it. I I don't know. I I don't understand like what the fuck people are thinking. I don't understand what people want. I don't understand what people this whole thing about sides like we're playing right. Renalevio or some shit or it's a Super Bowl and like you got to pick the, the the Packers yeah or or or, or, or uh you know uh the other team uh yeah. I, I I there's no sides like the 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 you know the nuance in opinion is gone and yeah. the it's crazy it's 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 insane it's it's crazy and you know I never paid attention to politics ever literally yeah. you, you know anyone who knows me personally or you could even track my social media feed pre Donald Trump I didn't yeah. I literally it would be like as if in the last four years I I became a not an expert but a well schooled uh uh uh, I had a well, a well-schooled, well-versed understanding of lacrosse. And right. prior to that, the first 46, 47 years of my life, I knew nothing about lacrosse. That's what politics was to me. Like, I didn't pay attention. I knew who the president was. I didn't know the secretary of the state from the fucking secretary of treasury to, to any of that yeah. shit. It was Trump. But then with Trump, so much, you know, shit and opinions and all that stuff came and now I pay attention to it and I'm more I'm more aware of it. It's like it's it, yeah. it's it's like I watch it, I I I study it. I I I really I take pride in the fact that I do not listen to one side or the other side. Like I, I listen to varied opinions from all sorts of different people. People yep. I think are fucking insane. I listen to Same. Alex Jones. I, I think the guy's fucking a lot of times totally nuts. I disagree with a lot of shit he says, but a lot of the people he interviews and some of the stuff he says, I agree with. I listen to Ben Shapiro. I listen to fucking Tucker Carlson. I listen to fucking Don Lemon. I listen to so many different podcasts. Yeah. And, you know, the only way with all that being said to have any sort of there, there, there still isn't a, a right answer or a right opinion. Um, and, and then when you deal with facts and and statistics, it's just crazy to me, like just where we are and like social media and the social media of it all. And, you know, the, 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 the you know, if, if you post it, like there were 78 killings in Chicago last week, Yeah, this past week, not sorry. There were 78 shootings in Chicago this past weekend, 78 Jeez. shootings. Yeah. If I was the mayor of that city, there wouldn't be anything I would be focusing on or discussing yeah. other than that. Yeah. Nothing. There would yeah. be not, I would be ashamed of myself. I'd be ashamed to be a part of the fucking the 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 the, the, the people who ran that city set in one weekend. And yeah. if I posted something like that, if I posted right now, 78 shootings in Chicago, Chicago, why are you posting this? What's your point? Yeah. Um and it just it's it's crazy to me. It's fucking crazy to me. It's it, it's insane to me where we are and the social media of it all. And I know that ninety nine point nine percent of these motherfuckers that follow me, like I said, I ain't no expert, I ain't no genius, but I do listen, I do read, I try to be informed as I possibly can. And motherfuckers just make up shit and you know the hashtag heroes and the. It's crazy to me. It's yeah. crazy, like where we're at and all this stuff. 
it just seems like those mayors that you speak of are a reflection of the people who don't want to have that conversation. And don't forget those are those people that don't want to have that conversation about the, you know, the crime happening in their communities. Those are the people who voted for those mayors who also don't want to have that, that conversation. They seem to only want to have a conversation about the police brutality. And I honestly think that's got to go hand in hand in the conversation. I really do. You can't have one conversation without the other. You, you have to be consistent. That's why when I look at what you do, I completely get what you do. You're consistent in that you give a shit about these tragedies that are happening. You can't just pick, well, I only care about this line of tragedy that's happening. You're, you're, you're actually giving a shit about both. And it just seems that these people don't want to have a conversation about the other one. I don't know. And no, they, it's it's true. It, it, it's true. Like, I don't compare tragedies. I don't compare yeah. injustices. Yeah. I don't stat, you know, go stat for stat. Well, in, uh, you know, 9-11, 3,000 people uh, died. But, in, you know, with the explosion in Oklahoma City, this many people, I don't I don't do that shit. A tragedy is a tragedy is a yeah. tragedy is a tragedy. I, I You know, but it's 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 crazy. And, and then, you know, there's always the. The uh the the search, you know, I'm trying to get a game show. I'm trying to get it on ABC. You tell me if you think it'd be a good game show. I think like right. network television would be good. Yeah. Like either like the big three, either CBS, NBC, or ABC. Just tell me just the title right. if you think this will work on okay. on on mainstream TV. I'm talking like 7 p.m., maybe 8 p.m. Uh America's next top racist. What do you think, <laughs> Joey? Do you think I'm already that, in? Do you, but do you think it has a shot? CBS, NBC. ABC. I'm talking prime fucking time. I'm not talking cable. I'm not yeah. talking cable access. I'm talking about America's next top racist like Thursday. Yeah. 8 p.m. Like, you know, like right before all the sitcoms come on. Or uh, if you want to put me on at 9 p.m., I won't argue with that right after the sitcoms. Do you there, think I have a shot with this? And what would do you want to be a part of this? The people are ready for that show. But the networks and the powers that be, they, they're not ready for that. They're not ready for real change. And would I be a part of it? Are you fucking kidding me? Of course <laughs> I'd be a part of it. We'd both, we should be we should be doing this on our own, actually, right now. But uh, I wouldn't even rely on a network. But hell yeah, I would love to see that. I think everybody would like to see that. I just don't think that they're ready for that. They're too busy uh, TikToking on America's Got Talent and all this bullshit. Yeah, I agree. You know what I, I mean? That's what people want an escape. When they watch shows at that time, that audience, they want an escape from reality. They, they don't want to face the real problems in this country. They, and, and that's why I feel that these networks are missing the boat out on that. And they and they're they're, they're doing it on purpose. They, they know that. They've just taken a backseat to all this shit that's why guys like you and us are popular you know what i mean that's why independent even independent journalists now i mean we're getting i know you get you follow a lot of the same accounts that i do and a lot of these people are down there on the streets showing a lot of the bullshit that's happening in the street the shit that the mainstream media is not showing and the networks and and we're actually getting our news from actual people right you know what i mean it's crazy you know i i really feel like if there was a way to present you know, unbiased news, both sides. You know, this yeah. term both sides is like, uh, I hate it. you know, Trump fucking really demonizes shit. But like, if you really just showed, you know, everything, you know, and, and, yeah. and you articulated it with the same passion, the same frustration, I feel like people would, I think it would help because this Fox, CNN, you know, MSNBC, uh, uh, you know, like it's really like, are you, you, you know, 
T- Tucker Carlson or, or 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 Chris Cuomo? Is it Don Lemon or, right. or or you know Tucker Carlson or Sean Hannity? Like these four fucking yahoos, they're all the yeah. same. Yeah. They're, they're 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 exactly the same. First of all, they're they're performers. They're great right. performers. I don't care if you like them, don't like them, you hate Sean Hannity. Tuck, these are performers. They don't act like that in real life. Like, you know, I do these sports shows and people ask me all the time, what is Skip like? What is Shannon uh, Sharp like? What is Stephen A. Smith like? I'm like, they're they're fucking they're like actors. They're right, performers. Right. And those people on the 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 um the, the news channels, this is the same thing. Um, obviously, sports is different from politics and it, it's going to go closer to the way they um the way they actually feel. But. You know, that that red light turns on and they go action and these motherfuckers go to town. Tucker Carlson, he's not like that all the time. Just like Shannon Sharp isn't screaming and yelling about LeBron James and Skip Bayless isn't screaming and yelling about Kawhi Leonard all the time. If you see people on television, particularly mainstream television, I don't care if it's sports, weather, fucking uh, uh, you know, like Al Roker, they are all performers, and I think they're all in SAG, Screen Actors Guild, or AFTRA. They're performers. Never forget that shit. They're paid professionals. Yeah, they're mouthpieces too. You know, and and that's that's the thing is that you can't people follow it like it's pro wrestling. You know what I mean? The good guys versus the bad guys. And it's just, it's crazy, man. And here we are, guys like you are actually speaking up about real issues and giving unapologetic opinions about it and fair opinions, I believe. And you're pretty consistent. I mean, here's something that, that doesn't get talked about a lot, at least from on the celebrity angle. And I, I feel like you're the only one really talking about this. And this is something I don't know a lot about, not enough to have an opinion on it, at least. I know it's just a shitty situation, what, what seems to be no solution in sight. But I've noticed you've been one of the only celebrities speaking up about the Israel-Palestine conflict. And I, and I mean, I started to take notice when the tension started feeding over in our country for a while. I mean, we're seeing people fighting in the streets over this. I've seen you post videos of people getting attacked in New York while they're eating dinner at restaurants. Just wild shit. Number one, what does any of what's going on over there have to do with anyone over here? And number two, where are all these celebrity activists that are constantly on their soapbox talking about the latest movement we should all be paying attention to? They just taking a break on this one? Why are you, why are you the only one? Uh, you know what? To be honest, you know, I'm Jewish. I'm, I'm full Jew. And, you know, I'm not religious. I wasn't bar mitzvahed. But, you know, with this latest um, Israel palace, first of all, the only solution is peace. That is the only solution, period. Number one, two, three, four and five. That's the only uh, uh, options they have. A, B, C, D, E and F is is peace. But in regards to me with Israel and Palestine, um, you know, it's fucked up for me because, you know, a lot of the actors, you know, the, they love the the Jewish humor that we have. They love the the neuro, neuro the neurosis the the neurotic neuroses uh, uh, humor. Um, yeah. You know all our funny quirks, right. all our funny you know uh, uh, you know things that we have you know about about being Jews and we play into them publicly. We play into them in movie characters. We 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 you know we'll do like you know um, you know Jews who rock and all these kind of nebbishy sort of you know Larry David things, which is dope. And 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 but when it when this last situation came up and not one of them and there's no need to even name names because there really wasn't one of them who plays Jewish, who 
makes fun of Jew- being Jewish and, you know, does all the stereotypical things, didn't say anything. I was like, I have to say something. Yeah. And, you know, I also educated myself on that. And, and again, there's arguments on both sides. But for me, I was like, yo, you can you got to say something. You have to say something. And you could I try to do it in the most nuanced way that I can. Yeah. And, you know, I, sometimes, especially when it's things about um, things that are uh, emotional or sensitive, you know, I'm not the most articulate. Uh, and, and also on social media, you know, there's there's t- parameters of of the way, you know, how, how much time you could talk. And I was just like, motherfuckers, not one of these motherfuckers is saying anything. And out of all the shit that I've ever spoken on, whether it's been Trump, whether it was on, you know, Charlotte, whether it's been on race stuff, the response that I got, and I didn't, I didn't point any fingers, the responses and the threats and the, the crazy shit that I got from that superseded all the shit that I've done on social media. And I've said some wild shit on social media, it superseded <laughs> all of it. And I was just like, yo, this is like a different level. It was like a yeah. different level of, of appreciation and also people like, like, like the DMS, like I, you know, like DMS, like the crazy shit that people were saying to me in the DM. I'm like, what the, f-? and I grew up in New York city in the seventies and eighties. I never had anti-Semitism ever. I've never dealt with that in my life. Face to face, never to this day, still to this day. I didn't know that people really talk this way and think this way. I was like, yo, this is crazy. Crazy. And and it wasn't just this where I, you know, the anti-Semitism, it definitely started with the Trump shit and, you know, um, the, you know, some of the other rants. But but with this last in the last two months, I was like, yo, this is crazy. This is yeah. crazy. And, you know, people are hitting you from all over the world. And I was like, yo, motherfuckers are nuts out here. Like they're they don't give a fuck. And then I'm like, you're saying this. You have pictures of your wife, your kids and where you work and you're going to threaten me. You don't think I'm going to put you on the shame game. You're on the fucking shame game, you fuck you. You're on the shame game. It's funny, and I love that. But it is interesting what you say is that when people, it seems to me that when people are pressed and forced to choose a side, that's when you see the true colors come out in people. And I think that's what you might have been experiencing, this new behavior that you might not have been experiencing from people on the street. It's like they're put in a corner, they've made they've made their bed, and now they're ready to attack. And it's funny because... Dude, you first thing first things first, the high volume of shit talking that you do. I mean, there needs to be some sort of Guinness World Record for most insults thrown by a human being. You'd you'd be in the book every year. I mean, I know I talk a lot of shit, but you're like the last dragon of the shit talking <laughs> game. Like the show enough, you know? I, I don't think I'll ever I'll ever achieve the that. Show level. enough of shit talking. You're, you're the show enough of shit talking. I mean, you go to war with people in the comments and you're you're talking about the, the, the shame game. You share their photos their work numbers everything you go right for the fucking jugular and let me ask you this and be honest has any one of these online tough guys ever crossed paths with you in real life and confronted you no and 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 I, nor do i want them to nor yeah. am i uh challenging or you know trying to incite them to i don't think i'm a you know a tough guy or anything yeah. like that but when you start making threats and 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 all kinds of shit and you're so dumb and yeah. loose about it and you continue to do it yeah the shame game is 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 where you're going to be i love it
Alright, welcome back to another edition of The Shame Game. My name is Michael Rappaport. And I'm Dean Collins. So a lot of people like to pop shit on social media. They like to slide up into the DMs and talk shit on Twitter and Instagram. Well, we like to give them that fame they want. That shame fame. Alright, the first comment comes from Alex McLean, who called you a clown. Ooh, you called me a fucking clown, Alex McLean? I see you got your coveted Instagram checkmark. What's Ooh. the application fee for a fucking nobody to get that checkmark? You little fashionista fuckboy. You're wearing Janet Jackson's jeans from the 1990s. You're a fucking motivational speaker. Motivating what? Dress like a fucking douchebag? Nice arm patch, fuck nose. Carter Matt 12, who says, dude, you and your Jew friends should have been gassed like you deserve to be. Mm -hmm. Carter, you go to Ottawa Glendorf High School in Ohio. You like to talk shit? I like to talk shit too. Mike, drop 20 pounds, you're starting to look like shit. Fuck. But when you start talking about burning Jews, yeah. we don't put your pictures no. on the shame game. We call you fucking principal. Yes, the and that's principal. exactly what I did. I called Principal Soclo of Ottawa Glendorf High School, and you can expect a big announcement on that loudspeaker. But you're getting called into the principal's office, and you made the shaming. That's called a double whammy. One thing we we haven't released yet. This is a true. Yeah, yeah. I've gotten, um, you know, with people that we put on the shame game, yeah. we have a, a collab. We have a best of. We have a mixtape. We've made people apologize on Ooh. video. We haven't released the videos because no shit. that's, yeah, we we have about, I'd say about nine or ten videos of people apologizing where we give them a script because <laughs> they'll say, they'll say, oh, okay, I'm sorry. And they're going, no, here's the yeah. script. And it oh. always starts with Mr. Rappaport, I am sorry. And and for some reason, um, four of the people that apologize, for some strange reason, they always have their shirt off in the apology videos. But we have yeah. those fucking videos of the apologies. And if any one of you sick fucks is out there looking, <laughs> we have them. And, and you know, we, we always tell you we're not going to release it. <laughs> but we, we might release it like, you know, with blurred faces because that is part of the deal. We say... You need to apologize. You need to apologize on video and 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 block my account. Yeah. Sometimes we make them suspend their accounts, but the videos are fantastic of people I, apologizing for for the crazy uh, shit they say. So you, Mr. Rappaport, I'm sorry. It always starts with Mr. Rappaport, and then there's a, a few points in the in the in the script where they'll say Mr. Rappaport again, which is you know, humbling that after you say you're going to do this and I'm, I'm this and that, and then you have yeah. to Mr. Rappaport. I'm sorry. I want you to feel like you're in the fucking principal's office. You cocksucker. You, that is beautiful. I mean, it's come full circle. I mean, that's where they <laughs> see. I'm a big supporter of public shaming. I think we need to bring it back. I mean, I think you're leading the charge and I think it's, a I'm great trying. Thing. <laughs> you are, man. I got to ask you, man, there's a photo floating around of you with Tupac, Snoop, and Ice Cube in their prime back in the 90s. You, you look like a fluorescent light bulb in the photo. What's, this, what's the story behind this? That, that photograph, um, it's, it's Tupac, Ice Cube, yeah. and John Singleton. And, and the story is it was the rap party for the movie uh, John Singleton, the late director of uh, Boys in the Hood and Baby Boy ah, and Higher Learning. Um, higher Learning, okay. It was... Um, the rap party for uh, uh, that film, um, uh, Poetic Justice, which was starring Tupac and Janet Jackson. And uh, I went to the party because I had, a, I mean, a blink of a part in that movie. Right. I went to the rap party. It was somewhere in the hood in L.A. And um, at that party, um, I met Snoop. Now, Snoop had just, just come out, literally just come out. He had only come out with, I think, Undercover. Um with Dr. Dre, I, I believe it was just yeah. that. I mean, it was deep it cover, was, right? Yeah. Deep cover. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, um, I introduced myself to him. He knew who I was. He had seen zebra head, or maybe I think I had done true romance at the point at that time. Yeah. And I was like, yo, yo, 
fucking love your shit. He was taller than me. Like Snoop was like Snoop's like about six, four. Okay. And he, I, I was like, yo, love your shit. And he was as hood as it could be. And he would say, yo, they love me in New York. I was like, yeah, we fucking love you in New York. And I, I was like, you've never been. He was like, nope, I've never been in New York yet. And I was like, oh, wow. shit. Like, this is how new he was. Yeah. Um, but I was just like, yo, you I, you know, fucking love your shit. Yeah. And then soon after that, him and Tupac, I saw this with my own eyes. Him and Tupac started battling. They were like battling on the mic and and it was like you know i don't remember obviously what tupac was saying but i remember because snoop was with his guys and Pac was with his guys and snoop you know i reminded him about this on his podcast and he was tripping because he 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 remembered it he went on to tell the story story further yeah. but like i remember specifically remember tupac one of the things he was saying when he was around he was like all oh, your motherfuckers staring at me you know, blah, blah, blah. And then, you know, I just remember him saying, oh, you motherfuckers staring like he was freestyling. Yeah, yeah. And then it turns out that that was the first night that they met. They met each other. And I was right there when they met each other. I was right there when they were battling. And then Snoop told the story to me on his podcast that that was the first night he ever smoked a blunt in his life. Tupac rolled him his first blunt. And that was the first blunt, actual blunt. Obviously, he had smoked weed, but a blunt that this is in the early, this is like 93 or 94, yeah. like, you know, and he's went on to, you know, tell that story and he never forgot it because that was the first night he met Tupac. It was the first night I had met Snoop. And then soon after that, you know, they were battling, um, you know, they were taking pictures. This is all film. And it was a, originally going to be a picture of Tupac, Ice Cube and John Singleton. I was to the side and John Singleton was like, get in the picture, Mike. You got to be in this picture, and that's why I'm on the side. And I popped in the picture, and 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 you know, years later that picture popped up. But I never forgot taking the photo. Like I remember taking the photograph, and I remember that night because at the time, you know, it was just so much excitement about around John. It was so much excitement around Tupac. I was such a fucking fan of his. It was. Yeah. Um, you know, I had met Ice Cube at that same party, and then I went on to work with Ice Cube in higher learning. And, you know, when you're young and all that shit is, you know, happening, like those little moments you remember. But it was no oh, yeah. cell phones. It was no video. But the memories, yeah. I had them, and it meant a lot to me. And, you know, the stories online when I told it to Tupac, when I told it to Snoop, and then Snoop went on to talk about his first blunt ever, which should kind of be a national holiday. I believe so. Like the night yeah. Snoop and Tupac shared Snoop, first blunt that's some sort of like fucking like that should be like in some sort of calendar like historical calendar i agree that i mean that's part of hip-hop history and you witnessed that firsthand i mean what more i saw could, it with what, my fucking own eyes what it was could you it was bugged for? out as a hip-hop fan i mean you grew up in new york as did i but i mean you were around hip-hop in the 80s and 90s and watched you know you grew up with it and i, I want to get into all that we really got to get into all that but 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 going back to higher learning how how the hell do you prepare as a Jewish man to play the role of a Nazi? How do you even <laughs> begin that process? And and also, was there a downside to playing that role in terms of people treating you in real life like you were the character in the movie? You know, as far as playing the part, like, I thought it was cool. Like, yo, I'm, you know, I'm a Jewish guy playing. You know, it's like when you're that age, you know, in the 90s, we all wanted to be like Robert De Niro. We all wanted to be like Al Pacino. We all wanted to be like Sean Penn. You know, so it was like, yo, this is 
this is this going to show how, you know, fucking great and committed I am to it. You know, as far as preparing, you know, again, Singleton was so fucking encouraging, you know, doing it. I got the part in higher learning. Leonardo DiCaprio was originally going to play that part. And I was going to play the part of the older skinhead. And then Leonardo dropped out for for whatever reason. And I think he had a pretty good career since he's done a couple of things. I think so. And, um, you know, I talked to Singleton. I was like, you know, we talked about me playing that part. And he had me come down and read audition like two or three times with Ice Cube. And this is not like, you know, are we there yet? Ice Cube. This is like Ice Cube with the chip tooth. Yeah. yeah. You know, like NWA Ice Cube. So, right. you know, I had to go down there and, you know, audition with Ice Cube. And he's like, you know, we're improv and I'm saying all kinds of crazy shit. And, you know, John loves it. He was like a fucking kid in the candy store. And then eventually I got the part and I just, you know, like I said, it was just some acting shit. It wasn't anything like it wasn't any sort of, you know, do I believe in this? Did I not believe in this? Like, I, <laughs> like it was just like, this is a dope part. Yeah. You know, this is what I want to do. This is, you know, we all want to be Marlon Brando. And, right. and this is just what it is. And it was just a dope time. It was a dope set. It was it was fun. It was exciting. And, and you know, like it was just a an opportunity to spread your wings and to try to show how, you know, diverse you could be as an actor. And, and, and that's Absolutely. all it was. I didn't think twice about, yeah. you know, anything else. And, you know, I was concerned that people would bug out off of me in real life, but yeah. <clears throat> I never had any problems. I never had anybody, you know, to this day, you know, when I go into, you know, the hood or whatever, to this day, people will be like, Remy, what's up? You know, which is the character's name. Remy, what's up? You know, gotcha. and, you know, I hated that fucking character, but I love the way you played <laughs> it. And that was really the consent, the consensus yeah. of the way people treated me from that film. And, you know, and, and that's what it was. But when it came out, you know, I was definitely like concerned that maybe people would 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 mistake that. But it, yeah. it never I never had anybody never uh, no one ever misconstrued that it was a part and and me so it was it was a dope opportunity that's cool it seems like people appreciated your craft as an actor which yeah. kind of i mean it makes it all worth it i'd imagine i mean god you were in so many movies that were my favorite so uh, true romance was one oh. that was one of my favorite i mean the fucking cast in that i mean hopper walken gary Oldman, brad pitt christian slater gandolfini val kilmer uh yeah. samuel L. jackson i mean written by one of my favorite directors to, or um he, yeah i believe it was written by tarantino did you have any interaction with tarantino during the process he he wasn't around tony scott directed it quentin yeah. wasn't on the set you know he was involved with um the the uh when it was time to do press for the movie i remember seeing him at the the press day yeah you know i had met quentin um my first film zebrahead was at the sundance film festival i believe it was 91 yeah it was either 91 or 92 and it was quentin tarantino's debut of reservoir dogs and it was a big fucking big boom for independent filmmaking it was a big boom for the Sundance Film Festival, which everybody knows what that is now. Yeah. And, you know, he was really the bell of the ball. And, you know, Zebrahead was not too far behind it. But, you know, you would hear about, you got to see this movie, this this writer, Quentin Tarantino. And I was like, is he black? Because Quentin, I only knew black right. kids named Quentin growing up. And, yeah. and, you know, then I saw Quentin and, you know, you got to see this movie. It's like Scorsese. It's violent. You, you have to see it. You have to see it. And that was really the, you know... The, the beginning of Quentin's, you know, 
run to this day. Yeah. And I, you know, we hung out a little bit there and, you know, and, and, and when true romance, when that script came out, you know, this is at the time, there's no emails, you know, this is 90 again, 92, 93, something like that. Yeah. And, you know, you, you'd get the script delivered from your agent and, you know, all the actors that I knew, you know, at the time, everybody was like, yo, did you read this? Yo, you got to read this. Yo, I have a copy of it. Yo, come get my copy and read this shit. And we, everybody was auditioning. And, you know, I originally uh, auditioned to play one of the gangsters in the film. And I had got the part that my good friend Kevin Corrigan got uh, that he wound up playing the young gangster. Yeah. And um, they couldn't catch this Dick Ritchie. They couldn't cast Dick Ritchie. And, and, um, and then the, the casting director, um, the assistant casting director, um, who's a big casting director, name is Mary Vernu. She suggested Michael Rappaport is Dick Ritchie. He should come in. And I went in and on the wall, you know, this is at the time, you know, headshots were still like a real thing. So on the wall, yeah. they had all the headshots of the actors and had Christian Slater, Patricia Arquette, who had only done Indian Runner at the time, which was a okay. dope movie directed by Sean Penn. And then they had Christopher Walken's picture up there and wow. they had Dennis Hopper's picture up there and Samuel right. Jackson's picture up there. Yep. And I remember I told Tony Scott, Oh, you know, who's a great director. I said, yo, don't let me leave until I get this right. He was like, okay, mate. Okay. And, um, you know, I wound up getting the part and I was oh. that character. Like I was like getting the part in true romance as myself yeah. was the same thing as Dick Ritchie getting cast in, um, TJ hooker on in, in, in true romance. And it was just a dope time. It was an exciting yeah. time. And that's probably the only movie that I knew for sure was going to be great when I did it. And it was just fun. And I got to meet all those actors, the ones who I didn't work with. I would show yeah. up on the set for whatever reason. I'd make up excuses like, you know, I would just show up and I, I would yeah. watch them film. I watched them film the famous, you know, Italian history scene with yeah. walking and, and, and Dennis Hopper. And it was so good. And I was there when they when they filmed it. And I was there when they filmed the, the Gandolfini, a Patricia Arquette's fight yeah. scene. And, yeah. you know, Gandolfini hadn't done anything. He did less than me. Like he literally, yeah. I think like he had done one small part in some movie that never came out. Um yeah. And it was just a dope time. It was an exciting time. And it was a, a, you know, a movie that, you know, really stands the test of time. And yeah. So, you know, and Quentin Tarantino, he's another oh, one, man. you know, he's in a class all by himself. I don't have a pot to piss in or a window to throw it out. All I got is fucking Floyd. Condescend me, man. Fucking kill you, man. Oh, man. Yeah, it seems like that role was perfect for you, man. Like you said, it was just the time period of just trying to make it in Hollywood. I mean, that was perfect for you, man. Look, hip-hop. We got to get into hip-hop, man. Let's Speak do it. So did you watch that 110 MCs video? I, I did watch you? it. You, I, what did you think of that? I mean, it's like a movie. Right? I watched it's, the whole damn thing. I thought I wasn't going to make it through. I'm like, I, I just want to see what who comes on next, you know? It's crazy. The K-Slay, 110 MCs. I love it. it, it it's, it's, there should be a documentary about that. Like, I would love yes. to interview him because you could tell that it, it took a long time to do it, obviously, oh, to yeah. get 110 people to fucking rhyme. And that was a fucking feat, man. I mean, that was a fucking feat to, to, to do that shit. And anybody who hasn't seen it, it's on YouTube. Uh, look up K Slay 110 MCs and, you know, you could watch it, you know, all in one sitting. You could watch it yeah. over, a, a you know, like a, it's like a, it's it's pretty fucking it's sick. It should be like in the like a, the Smithsonian or some shit. It's 
It's sick yeah. for everybody who we got. And I feel like this was created to remind people what real hip hop actually is and always was. There wasn't one mumble rapper on this thing. Nope. And, and and we that's the thing we gotta talk about is this mumble rap shit because I know you share the same frustrations as me when it comes to this subject, considering A, we both grew up with hip hop in New York during the eighties and nineties, back when all the elements were in full effect. Rapping, DJing, graffiti, breakdancing, beatboxing, which somehow turned into twerking, mumbling, auto-tuning, and pill-popping. <laughs> and B, as someone who watched it evolve firsthand from its inception, how did we go from Rakim, KRS-One, Tribe Called Quest, to Lil Xan, Takashi 6 9 and Lil Poopy? How the fuck did that happen? I don't know what the fuck happened, man. It became too easy to make, <laughs> to make records, you know? Like, at first it was dope. Like, yo, you could do it at home. Yeah. But it's, you know... I've given up, you know, I, I like as far as I'm concerned, whatever's happening now, little this one, little that one. These are kids. I'm 51. You know, every now and yeah. then I'll try to listen to some new shit and and it just doesn't resonate. The the, 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 yeah. the beat counts, yeah. the, the, the cadences are weird. Like, I, I, I don't understand. And, you know, why being on the beat is so much to ask now. Like, it's almost like a lot of these rappers they rap yeah and then they'll just put a beat under it later it's not like they're rapping under a beat when they're in the studio and it, but it, it's different like it's like it, it's crazy it, it, i don't know what happened to it um you know obviously there's there's a few people that you know are still on it but it's it just doesn't make any sense to me but i've given i you know i used to get frustrated i would rant about it and you know talk yeah. shit about this one and i'm like they're you're the same age as my fucking son. Like, I'm just yeah. like, fuck it. You, go ahead. Do your shit. Like, you know, like I got yeah. a 21 year old son. I can't talk about anyone who's younger than my 21 year old son. Even talking about a 24. I'm like, I'm 50 fucking one years I old. Know. So do your shit. If you guys think that shit is dope, it's, you know, that's, I, you know, it's like, it's, it's for the kids. You know, it's like, yeah, you know, it's for the fucking kids. It's like when, when, when we were, you know, you know, in our, you know, teenage years and we'd be in a taxi cab or like in a, a deli and you'd hear like doo-wop. You'd be like, what the fuck is this guy listening to? Like, you know, all the golden era shit of the 80s, yeah. 90s is like doo-wop now. It's like, right. that's to them. It's like listening to like the fucking the platterns or some shit. It's like right, listening right. to the fucking, you know, like doo-wop music. It's just a totally different music. And, you know, it's good and bad. You know, there's there's still, you know, dope dudes doing it. Like Rock Marciano is dope and you right. know, obviously the Griselda dudes are, you know, bringing that shit back and, you know, the J. Coles and the Kendrick Lamars. Right. But, you know, like I said, you know, there's few of them and tons of little poopy, little doopy and little stoopy uh, uh, yeah. that, that are doing it. It's funny because, you know, you, you bring up a good point. It's like as we get older, we get more disconnected from what the youth's doing musically. But it's funny because. You know, there's a lot of people out there and a lot of the young people will give this argument that, well, it's because of your age. You know, it's a let the, the kids do the new thing. And, and it, it happens like a generational thing. The older people always end up rejecting the music that comes before. But I don't know if I quite agree with that because you got to figure for, for me, for example, I grew up as a teen in the 90s. So I didn't quite I mean, I was too young to know a lot of the 80s hip hop artists. 
But as I got older, I, we still listened to the, the, the class that came before us. We listened to the Rock Kims and, the, and you know, uh, Grandmaster right. Flash and all that stuff. And even the 90s classes, of, the 90s class of rappers were always shouting out the 80s class. Right. But these new kids, they're not even acknowledging what comes before. They won't even fucking freestyle over an old they man can't. beat. They can't. They can't. They and, can't but, freestyle. There is no, there is no freestyle. Yeah. There is no free. The only ones who freestyle are the ones who do it. The ones who actually do it. You, you, they can't. Yeah. Um. So you gonna get to these bars? If you pull up, I'm telling you right now. If you pull out one of my old beats, I'm not rapping on it. Why? Straight up. It's just, it's you just, see me, bro. I am a rock star, bro. I'm not rapping on that type stuff. You know when you see those old videos of like Talib Kweli and Most Def. You know, there's like a classic video of them like in Washington Square Park, like. Yo, the, this is what they did, you know, like, yeah. it was like a craft. Slim brown skin I be, standing five, ten I be, rocking it when I be in your vicinity. Raw style synergy, recognize symmetry, call up shot and Jimmy, broke him down chemically, ain't the number 10 MC, talking about how been I be, styled it like Kennedy, late like a 10 to 3, when I say when I be, girl safe and I keep, cause this is 10 to be. Growing up, I wanted to be a basketball player, like, we played basketball, like, these... These dudes, Red Man, yeah. this is what they did. You know, they, they, that's what they did. Like, that was what they, they took it really seriously. And, you know, you hear these stories about one story, uh, you know, Q-Tip uh, told me, I believe when we were doing the Tribe Called Quest documentary, and this is one of the frustrating things about doing the Tribe Called Quest documentaries. Obviously, when he was telling me this, I knew it wouldn't make it into the movie. But I remember he was telling me, you know, when he went, first of all, a lot of these dudes in New York in the 80s and 90s, they were in high school when they had songs on the radio, which is so bugged out. Like, I remember, yeah. like, you know, MC Light. I would see her on the bus when she was already MC Light. Like, I would see her on the bus going to school. Yeah. But you'd hear about, like, the guys from Tribe Called Quest and the guys from Jungle Brothers going to Murray Bertram High School. Yeah. I went to Erasmus Hall High School when Special Ed had one of the biggest fucking songs out in the world i got it made got it made yeah. uh, uh you know we went to high school together you know wow. um and and uh but i remember tip told me this story about you know uh old dirty bastard who wasn't old dirty bastard at the time he was a, i think it was a son a son yeah he he came to bertram he came to murray bertram because he was going to battle Q-Tip. And yeah. Q-Tip wasn't even Q-Tip. He was Jay Nice. And he he tells it, he, you know, he goes, Jay Nice. You know, like Bastard was, yeah, yeah. Old Dirty was like, you know, his his kind of, you know, younger self. But he was like, Jay Nice, yeah, I'm yeah. coming to get you. You know, it's his story to tell. But like, you'd hear stories about that. You'd hear stories about, you know, LL being at a club and somebody wanted to battle him at the rooftop or, you right. know, uh, Biz just started, you know, beatboxing at the, you know, the Albee Square Mall. You'd hear about this shit because this is what they did, you know, like you'd hear about Jay-Z, you know, battling this person. And, you know, some of that footage will pop up, but like this is what they did, you know, and when they put out their first song and their demo, that was it. There was no second strike. There was no, you know, I'm coming back. That's why those demos and those first albums have so much shit in them. Because if you got a chance to make a demo uh, and, and you gave it to whoever, it was life and death. There was no, and it better be dope in the first 60 seconds. There was no second chance. There was no, oh, we'll come back and fix it. It was, this is it. And that's why these motherfuckers took it so seriously. 
because that was it. Or if it somehow, some way got to DJ Red Alert or Mr. Magic and it was going to be played on the radio, like that's it. It's either yeah. good or you're at UPS or you're at the fucking grocery store or go to college, you know, because, you know, and there, you felt that in, in, in there, you know, like you felt it in the, in the, in the music and you feel it like, you know, when dudes put out their first song, when you hear Nas on live at the barbecue, when he's like street disciple, oh, you yeah. know, you're like, who is this fucking dude? Yeah. You know, yeah. who is this fucking dude? Because he knows like, this is it. This is it. This yeah. is my shot. People are going to hear it. And there's three other people on live at the barbecue. And, uh, you know, not everybody, you know, had the career Nas did. But like when you hear Nas, you were like, who is this fucking dude? Yeah. And he was a teenager at the time. Go figure. And all these young kids go like he's 17, 18 years old. Yeah. That's why with the, I, I laugh when these the young generation tries to defend their lack of lyricism and they just go, well, they're, they're kids. You know, they haven't evolved yet. It's like, are you fucking kidding me? Half of these rappers were teenagers back in the day. Nas was I know Nas was a genius. He was definitely an enigma. Big Daddy so, Kane was fucking 17, 18 years old. That's what I'm they getting were at. 19. You see those pictures of. Yeah. Eric B and Rakim, they're 19, you know? Yeah. So when, when we're seeing the pictures of them as Eric B and Rakim, that's after the songs were made. So who the right. fuck knows when he wrote it, when he was 16, 17, <laughs> 18, you know, like it takes, it's not like now where you put it out and it's just out, you know, yeah, run yeah. DMC, they were fucking kids. Yeah, they man. They were teenagers, you know, that early yeah. shit, they were fucking 19, 20. He's like, I'm talking about going to, he was at St. John's yeah. university. Yeah. Like, these are teenagers. I, I think you hit it on the head, though. Now these kids have access to a, a fucking recording studio in their bedrooms. So they can just get out there. Whereas before, you had to kind of earn your keep on the streets and kind of build the reputation for anyone that even wanted to bring you into their booth to record. So I feel like there was right. a screening process before you even making a record. You know, so now all this shit right. just gets pumped out there from the, these people's bedrooms. And then, you know, kids latch onto it with no promotion or anything. So it's kind of a free-for-all. Let me just say, like, when you when you hear Busta Rhymes, yeah, like, when yeah. you see a guy like but there'll never be anybody like him again. No. He's, he's a natural born rapper. Yeah. He's like when you look at Busta Rhymes, like the shit that he's put out, the body of work that he's put yeah. out. This is a guy who took this shit seriously. You know, I'm not going to fucking college. Oh, yeah. This is well, what I do. Well, you look at guys like like take Eminem, for example, where I, I think it was like a 60 minute interview where he brings out a box of his yellow notepads. I mean, this guy's filling up yellow notepads from tobacco. I mean, that, these guys are really putting in time for the craft. You know, they're, they're like fucking scientists in a lab. You know what I mean? They're not just waking up, popping pills and turning on the microphone and going and right. just mumbling. You know what I mean? It's just there's just something about it. It's almost like they should name it something else. It shouldn't be called hip-hop you know i don't know yeah, what they make would... a new name since you're so creative come up with a new name for it r.i.p hip-hop man but anyway yeah. we gotta we gotta talk about the knicks before i let you go we'll we'll be nine we'll be 95 when they get their next championship but i i gotta be honest with you something about it's just not the same i i miss the days of oakley diving for the ball into the crowd anthony mason just swinging on people we had killers on our team and by the way i'm still convinced anthony mason never played basketball before the knicks i think the talent scouts found that guy in a park somewhere fighting three people at one time and just put them on the team. He's probably like, I, I don't even play basketball. They're like, look, don't worry about shooting. We'll figure just, it out. Just scare everybody on the team. So, yeah, don't worry about that. We'll, we'll work out those little details yeah. later. Passing, yeah. shooting. Just go out yeah. there and fucking 
bump into people. Exactly. Like, look how he held the ball at the free throw, throw line. He never played basketball before. Yeah. He didn't even know how to shoot. Foul by Mills, his third. Wow, Anthony Mason with an air ball. Not only an air ball, off to the right. And here's it from the crowd. The late, great Anthony Mason. I love him, man. Yeah, RIP. He tried to fight Manute Bowl. Remember that? Yeah, Manute he, Bowl's he, like 12 feet tall with a nine-foot reach, and Mason's got his arms up throwing jabs at him and shit. Yeah, it was crazy. <laughs> I fucking love he him, was, man. He epitomized the New York Knicks oh, and New I, York I, basketball. I that, mean, that team, Yeah. you know, the teams that we still talk about and yeah. and and – you know, going way back to the 70s with, yeah. with the Walt Frazier, Phil Jackson teams, those teams, they 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 represent New Yorkers. You know, yeah. like the 90s Knicks teams, it's hardworking, it's scrappy, it's dysfunctional, it's emotional John Starks, yeah. it's you know, um, it's 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 flashy, it's hip hop, it's it's not pretty, you know, but it's it's ride or die. It's all heart. Like that team represented, and that's why we still talk about it. Yeah. It, it represented New Yorkers, and I'm not talking about the sex in the city New Yorkers. I'm talking yeah. about like the boroughs and the working class people. And that was a right. true blue working class team. And even this year, yeah. you know, we we came up very short in the playoffs, but there was a something that resonated with the city. You know, the Brooklyn Nets. You know that team will never resonate with Brooklyn. It'll never resonate with with uh, uh, um, you know with with New Yorkers. It'd be cool if they won for the borough. You know, it'd be cool. You know, but 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 really, you know, we know what that is. It's not a team that represents anything that has to do with the values of the or the people. The hard fucking nosed, never say die, never give up attitude of New Yorkers, particularly not Brooklynites. So you know, like this team. You know, the, in, in New York, you know, like they're 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 building some. Obviously, we have a ways to go, but you know, New York is a special place, and you know, we could talk about it, and we could you know praise it and pat ourselves on the back. But you either you either understand it because you're from here, or you don't understand it. It's not something that you can really articulate. It's like when you go to another place, you know, you you you, you you'll kind of be like, oh, this is cool, like yo. What's going on? Like, but you'll never fully understand. It. And that's the same thing with New York and New Yorkers. It's like it's just a different we have our own thing. And, and uh, you know, and, and, and hopefully one day we'll have a, a basketball team that that represents uh, uh, the city um, and actually wins a championship because we've been beaten down so much for so long. Yeah, man. You know, it's funny because it, I, I don't to talk, talk about how much it means to New Yorkers, that team and their legacy. It makes you wonder what the fuck the owners are thinking when they ban somebody like Charles Oakley from from the MSG? I mean, do they realize what that does to the the spirit of the fans? I mean, and you're IDing Patrick Ewing to get into the building. I mean, like just little things like that. I mean, that really like that kind of breaks my heart when I see that because then it goes like, where's the appreciation for these guys? I mean, these guys own that fucking building. I agree. I agree. And 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 Dolan is really. You know, there's a picture of me like in a Brooklyn, not this year with all my Durant shit, which, yeah. you know, I've already covered. Uh, but but there's a <laughs> I went to a Brooklyn Nets game and at halftime, you know, somebody from the uh, <clears throat> from the team, from the press was like it would, they gave me a jersey and a hat or something like that. And there was a kid yeah. sitting behind me. I gave him 
a t-shirt and the hat. And they were like, yo, you, you take a picture with the Jersey. And initially I held it up and I was like, no, fuck that. I'm here. I'll put the Jersey on. Yeah. Cause I was like, fuck, fuck the Knicks. Fuck James Dolan. Yeah. <laughs> and this was right on the heels after what happened with Oakley. And I was so offended by what happened with Charles Oakley. And yeah. I knew, I knew speaking out about it would get me, um, you know, no free tickets. I, I I won't get free tickets from the Knicks ever again. And I was getting them for 20 years. I knew that was a, you know, that was going to, you know, take that away from me, but I was so offended. I was like, fuck yeah. this team. Who wants to even support this fucking team anyway? Like what's there to watch. You could go watch fucking cats on Broadway or Les Miserables <laughs> or Netflix and chill <clears throat> instead of watching this shit. And, yeah. you know, it doesn't mean, <clears throat> sorry that doesn't mean that in my heart <clears throat> i wasn't always a knicks fan and I, I won't always be a knicks fan but it was just kind of like my own personal protest i was like f- that was my own chapo you know yeah. like i was i was like you know fuck this shit i'm i can't support this shit anymore yeah. and um you know but i i never rooted against them i was right. just like i can't fucking sit here and 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 act like this is okay to do yeah. You know, it's funny, man. It, 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 it kind of, it breaks your heart. And and I think just a lot of things about the game has changed, not just with the Knicks organization, but I mean, look, man, you can't even look at a player the wrong way today or they'll throw you out of the game. I watched something last season where I think it was Kyrie Irving arguing with another player. They're in each other's face and the ref just throws them out of the game. I never seen anything like that. Like you can't even show emotion after a big play or it's considered a taunt. I mean, why are they trying to strip the emotion away from the game? That's what made the game great. When you watch the Knicks play the Bulls back in the 90s, it was like watching people go to war. Like what caused the NBA to soften the game? Do you think that that brawl in 2004 they had in Detroit with the Pacers triggered a little bit of this? I I think it was a culmination of things I think that was probably the icing on the cake. Okay. I think the Allen Iverson, uh, uh, you know, uh, maligning, you know, when AI came into the league, yeah, you know, with the, with the, with the jewelry and, and right. the rags and the baggy shit, then they made it, you had to put on business attire. Now these motherfuckers are like wearing anything on the, they're, they're back to wearing anything they want yeah. during a game when sometimes they're not playing like Kyrie. Um, I love, um, I love Kemba Walker, but like he he sat out games during the playoffs, this playoffs. And again, I love him. And I'm like, yo, if you're not playing, wear like just like all black or like something low key. Why do you want to wear something that you get more attention for? We know right. you're not playing. Like, sit the fuck down. Like these dudes are wearing <laughs> like, you know, hats on the benches. And I'm like, yeah. you're not playing. You're right. jumping around on the sideline with some, you know, some hype B shit. Like right. it's the playoffs. Like sit there, be a great teammate, but don't bring attention to yourself with your outfit. So, yeah, you know, I think it, it, it was a culmination of the Allen Iverson thing because, you know, that was what brought in the, the dress code to begin with. And now they've taken away the dress code, which I think is good, but it's, but um, like if I was a coach and yeah. one of my players was wearing like some Louis Vuitton shit with a hat and all this, <laughs> and you're not playing and you're jumping around, I'd be like, sit the fuck down man sit yeah. down you're not playing cool be a great teammate and sit the fuck down why are you wearing an outfit that'll get you attention when you're on the bench it doesn't make any yeah. sense to me and yeah. i don't think it's really being a good teammate i think it's looking for attention like there's a time to floss uh and there's a time to do all that shit but if you're not playing in a playoff game i would just try to be as inconspicuous as possible 
it's funny because I, I just feel like the spirit of the players have shifted into another direction. Not all of them. I obviously they, there's a lot of them that have that old school spirit. But I mean, like, look at the All Star game they had a few years back where, where they barely played. They're just laughing and joking around. At one point, Steph Curry's just laying down on the court mid game. I mean, the East versus West used to be a real competition. I mean, could you imagine getting excited to watch Jordan go up against Magic Johnson back right. in the nineties and then midway? through the game magic johnson just lays down on the court during the game right. and giggles i mean Crazy. You, it's just i i've never seen anything like that and, and you know that's why everybody was fascinated but with the last dance the michael jordan doc yeah. and you know we'll, we'll, it'll, we'll be it'll be interesting to see you know when lebron comes out with his how they craft it uh, uh yeah. because you know the you know he's going to come out with one yeah well i'm i'm happy you know what i am happy to see now is i think that michael jordan versus lebron james debate came to an end. I mean, no one's still trying to say LeBron is greater than Jordan, are they? They're not still doing this, are they? I mean, especially after LeBron, once again, abandoning his team in the playoffs this year. That I mean, that's not greatness. I agree. But people, I mean, listen, I can't stand this fucking guy, but I respect yeah. him. If, if, if He's close. But, you know, so is Kobe, so is Magic. I mean, there's, there's right. a bunch of them. But, I mean... One of the things, you know, the other day they were talking about Devin Booker being the next Kobe. The yeah. only way Devin Booker will be anything like Kobe is for Devin Booker to be the best Devin Booker. There ain't never going to be another right. Kobe. There's never going to be another right. Mike. There's never going to be another LeBron. There's never going right. to be another Allen Iverson. There's never going to be another Steph Curry. There's never going to be another Dr. J. Yeah. Like all those guys, what makes them special is they're unduplicatable and they're one of ones. Well, were you still a fan of Jordan when he was playing? Because don't forget, as a Knicks fan, I hated he, him. He was our I arch nemesis. Fucking okay. hated him. See, see, now I feel like I might have my Knicks fan card revoked by admitting this, but but I don't have a problem admitting this because I think there's a lot of Knicks fans that won't admit this. But as a kid, when we'd play the Bulls. Even though I wanted us to win, in the back of my mind, there was a part of me who wanted to see Jordan drop 50 every time he played. Even if it was playing against us, I didn't want us to lose. But Jordan was so fucking magical to watch. I wanted to see him do his thing because don't forget at the time, there was no NBA TV sports package where you could watch all the games. So during the regular season, you could only watch the Knicks game on the MSG network. So the only time you saw Jordan play was when he was playing us or against the Nets. But even that would only be maybe, what, twice? the season yeah so yep. so my question to you is and i think i already know the answer at any point during the 90s wherever you were you ever secretly rooting for jordan to put on a clinic at MSG? never let me tell you something <laughs> i'm a little older than you're you, a so true knicks fan when, when jordan hit the shot yeah. his rookie year i didn't know him is his freshman year versus georgetown his sophomore year everybody he started dunking he started doing crazy yeah, shit yeah and then he came out and then everybody wanted to be like mike and everybody uh, uh, wanted to, you know, and I had the sneakers and I ran around New York City trying to get the sneakers. And, you know, we'd watch the highlights, uh, uh, um, you know, and all that shit on ESPN. And, yeah. and and when he fucking killed Larry Bird in the Celtics, I was on board and I was on board versus the, the bad boys and all that. But when he started fucking up the Knicks, <laughs> I never wore the Jordans again until two years ago. Stopped wearing the sneakers and yeah. I hated this motherfucker. I hated him so fucking bad when he started fucking up the New York Knicks. Some of those finals versus Portland and all that shit, I couldn't even fucking watch. I was disgusted yeah. with it. Um, but, but you know, obviously, you know, I love him now, and I'm back to wearing Jordans and wasting my money right. buying Jordans. Uh, uh, and, and I, you know, the last dance was, you know, was, was, was epic.
Fucking great, man. Dude, I, I got to thank you so much for doing this. Before I let you go, top three MCs of all time. Man, top three MCs. It's interchangeable. Yeah. But I'll say my top three MCs of all times are, and I'm going to leave tons of people off the list. I got to go with Ghostface. I'll go with Nas. And I'll go with Biggie today. But it's interchangeable. If we did the podcast in an hour yeah. uh, from now, I could change it, change it. But those are my three for right now. I love it. What are, you, what are you working on now? Where can everyone find you? You can find me, uh, you know, screaming and yelling on, on social media. Uh, and, and Atypical's coming out uh, the 9th. And uh, the I Am Rap Report Stereo podcast, uh, uh, you know, is available on uh, Apple and on, Lumina uh, on the Luminary channel through Apple. Always fun going back and forth with you, brother. I'll talk to you soon, man. We're out of here. Anytime. Let me know when we do the Chapo, uh, uh, you know, the Chapo Summer of Love. Where are they now? Oh, I will be in touch, my friend. Goodbye, everybody. Goodbye.